Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly, for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reading today is Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The word of the Lord. And Pastor Adam. In the year 2000, I was in Okinawa as part of a deployment for the Marine Corps unit that I was part of. Now, I wasn't a Marine. I was a corpsman. I was in the Navy. I was one of the very few Navy personnel attached to a Marine Corps unit. I was the medic. I was the doc. Everyone called me doc. To this day, if I'm walking down the street and someone yells doc, I turn and look. It's sort of been ingrained um, in who I have become throughout the years. In 2000, I was there. We decided after um, there had been quite some, we'll say, smack talking amongst units over whose corpsmen were the most hardcore. You know, whose corpsmen were most like real Marines? Whose corpsmen were the, the hardest charging, the fastest running, the, the most awesome on the island? And so we had a competition. It was hosted by the general of the island. It was called the Corman Cup. And each unit put forth a team of their best. I'd like to say that I was part of mine. Uh, put forth a team of their best. And we competed with one another in various events. Some of those events might look like uh, paddling a big Zodiac boat through the surf and the ocean waves crashing in. Another one might look like how quickly you could disassemble and reassemble an M60 or or a 50 cal machine gun or something like that. There was one piece, though, that happened in the Juggle Warfare Training Center in the northern area or northern side of the island of Okinawa. In the jungle, for those of you who have been there, know, like I do, that it's not just plants, it's mud. And it's not flat, it's hills. So it's mud up, mud down. You're walking through the forest, and, and I, we would be walking in a line, it was actually funny. We were walking in a line, and the guy in front would just stop, or he'd start doing this, and everyone would bump up against him because there'd be a huge spider in the middle of the path, like about that big. There's these snakes in Okinawa called habu vipers. They're poisonous snakes, and they have a tendency to drop from the vegetation on top of you, okay? So it was a harrowing experience. What we did up there is we ran a race. It was four miles long. 
And so four miles wasn't anything. We could have done that in probably 15 or 20 minutes when we were in our uh, peak performance. But this race was different. This race, we had to be in full battle dress. We had to be carrying a 60-pound pack on our back, including our medical bag. And we had to carry one of our team members on a stretcher, okay, through the entire course. Now, what was funny is when we, we sort of had an idea that this was going to happen, but we asked, okay, who is our stretcher guy? Common sense would say, well, pick the lightest one. Well, our heaviest guy was the one who was having the hardest time keeping up, so we had to make a determination. So it turned out that we carried the heaviest guy through four miles of mud, jungle, snakes, and spiders. What should have taken, like I said, 20 minutes ended up taking all day, sunrise to sunset. It was one of the hardest things I've ever accomplished, and it was one of the dirtiest, <laughs> perhaps the dirtiest I've ever been. It was funny, at the finish line, they actually, as we finished, they handed us antibiotics to take on the way out. They're like, here's some doxycycline for your time, you know? And so, <laughs> it was hard. It was hard. Completely covered in the muck of the race. Completely worn down from carrying all that weight for so many hours. We're tired, we're irritated, we were ready to be done. Now, I don't want to make too close of a connection, but for me, 2021 felt like that. <laughs> 2021 has been a hard year. There's no doubt that this pandemic has been difficult for all of us. Yet another announcement of a new mitigation in order. We're, just, we're trying to just get our way through, slogging through the best that we can. You know, maybe it's the same for you. Maybe in 2021 or in the last several years, it feels like you're running a race with a pack on your back. Maybe it feels like no matter how hard you run or no matter how hard you try to keep pushing, you, you get more mud on you. You get dirtier along the way. Maybe it feels like the joy of the Christian life, of life in general, has been sapped from your soul. And you're thinking, where do I go from here? How do I do this? This is the last Sunday of the year, and so this is the time that I want to talk to you about letting go of what happened and looking forward ahead to what will be after the last couple of years, it would be easy to look forward with trepidation and say, oh, we're going to have more of the same. But I suggest to you that it needn't be that way. That if we look at what God has told us in his word, we can find the strength that we need to endure. We can find the hope that we need to continue to fight. And we can finish our race and finish it well. So as we enter the new year, as we talk about our resolutions, as we talk about what we're going to do differently, let's consider this. Let's consider what it might be like in 2022 to live life, to run the race of life with no weight on your back. Doing your best and looking to Jesus to wash you clean and finding the strength that you need in him to go forward. So today we're in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. The author of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but the author of Hebrews has just gone in the previous chapter and sort of laid out a laundry list of people. It's often called the Hall of Fame of Faith or the Hall of Faith. This is uh, the author pointing to his audience, to all of these people, famous people from the Bible, saying, look at this person. What did they endure? Yet they had faith and held out. This person, look at what they endured, so on. They go through Isaiah and Moses and so on and so forth. Then they turn the author to 12, and he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, listen to this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sins that so easily entangle us. So the first principle from this passage is that we need to put down everything that might slow us down. Everything. 
Sometimes we want to carry just a little thing. Well, I'll just carry this. I'll carry a fanny pack of burden with me instead of a whole big rucksack. But God is asking us to put it all down. You know, this, is, uh, this, this passage here talks about, and as we'll see in these, cha- these verses, talks about um, running a race. I've already started to bring that out in the metaphor here. During this time, the Romans would run their races naked. They'd shed everything. And so this is sort of the idea that the author is bringing out here, is that we are supposed to strip down and let nothing that ensnares us. Now, lest we get calls to the police and such about starting 2022 in the buff, I would... The Bible doesn't say that we're supposed to run naked. The Bible says that we're supposed to be run clothed with Christ. Yeah, we take our clothes off, but we have other clothes to put on. That's Jesus Christ. That's who he is in his identity. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, weight, worries. We all have them. Circumstances that don't seem to have a good outcome. People who are either obstinate, ignorant, or hurting. And it seems that they continue to make a mess. And if you're anything, uh, if you're parents, definitely you guys know the, the ache of what it feels like to see kids make bad choices sometimes, to see us make bad choices sometimes. The worries of what the future year might look like, of what, uh, of what work might look like. You know, we all have these things. You know what I'm saying. So not only the weight that hinders us, but also the sin that ensnares us. Now, I can tell you from my interaction with, um, in recovery is that 2020 and 2021 has been a desperate time for people in recovery. Because when people are placed under stress, their sort of base self, that sinful nature can come out so much more easily because we're putting our efforts elsewhere and trying to maintain, and the effort that we've been putting in to sort of keep things under control within us is sapped. We're tired. We can't do it. So maybe you guys know as soon as you're angry, that thought pattern comes out. Or as soon as you're worried or depressed, something that or some idea or deed that you've been doing for years that's been with you for so long, the thing that you've had control over for some time, maybe even victory, starts to come back out again. And you wonder why. Well, it's because the stress of life moves us. It forces us to move our resources to someplace else. And so we'll reason with ourselves, won't we? We'll say, well, just a little bit. But we can see from the passage, it's the sin that so easily ensnares. It'd be like running a jungle race trying to get no mud on yourself. It's impossible. It's impossible. Pretty soon, running in concertina wire or running through thorns, there's no way you're going to run through that without getting pricked. There's no way you're going to run through that mud without getting dirty. Yet we'll tell ourselves that we can handle it or that we can do it. But the Bible says different. Maybe it's an idol to which you turn to find relief. I don't know. Maybe it's your lazy boy. I love my lazy boy. I do. So a church family member gave me my lazy boy. That is my seat. I walk into that house and Calvin's in it. I'm like, why are you in my seat? That's my spot. But sometimes I wonder about that spot. What am I doing when I'm sitting there? What I'm doing is trying to check out. I'll tell myself it's rest, and we'll do that to ourselves. Only we'll reason with ourselves and justify something that we're doing. But the truth is, is I'm overwhelmed, and I need a moment to just not be me for a second. Go off. Think something else. Do something else. Sometimes even try to be someone else. Yet sin has a way of always getting us. 
always attacking us, always holding to us no matter what. The paradox here is that God doesn't just say, stop. He doesn't just say, put that stuff away. He doesn't just say, put down your burden and leave it at that. No, Jesus says, put down your burden and put on mine. The paradox of the Christian life is not carrying nothing. It's carrying something, but it's carrying Christ. It's not carrying the sin that we wish to hold on to. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, this is Jesus speaking, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He finishes, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This morning I was doing some final tweaks and I read that passage and that verse, and that last verse, number 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it just seemed to just jump off the page. And I said, is Jesus' yoke easy? When I think of myself. Is my burden light? No, it isn't. So then what's the problem? I must be carrying his yoke wrong. I'm not carrying his yoke at all. Or I tell myself that I'm doing what it is I'm supposed to do. I'm living the Christian life, yet it seems so hard. Life is so hard. Where is this light and easy burden that Jesus has promised? Maybe we're expecting a whole lot more of ourselves than what Jesus is expecting out of us. Maybe if we just looked to God and simply trusted in him and made the decision again and again to take our burden off and to place Christ's yoke upon us, allowing him to lead us in the race of life, the things that we carry, the weight that we carry, the burdens that we carry will suddenly evaporate. What's slowing you down? What has been slowing you down? What are you entangled in? It's something. I made a determination for a long, you know, when I first got into ministry that I was going to be the type of pastor who was willing to get up and lay myself bare before you guys. I think for a long time, and in some churches still do, but they, make, they have a tendency to look at their pastor as if this is the epitome of who I should be. I don't need that stress. I'm going to fail you. And I know you're going to fail me, because some of you have. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I know as a statement of fact that you guys are carrying things with you that God is asking you to put down. And he's been asking you to put down. I know some of you are ensnared in sins that you promised you were never going to dabble with again, yet there you are. And I'm not just thinking about the big ones. You know as I talk, we're filling in the blanks with the kind of Christian sins that we always talk about. I'm talking about those, but I'm also talking about the reaction of anger, rage when something happens at home. I'm also talking about eating too much. I'm talking about the finding external things to make us feel better about this sin and this guilt that we carry with us. I'm talking about those things that we look to instead of Christ, putting everything else down and just trusting him, which is what he's asking us to do. Can you imagine what the Christian life would look like? I say it like that because this is what we preach, but this isn't always what we practice. Simple trust in the Lord and saying, this is me. Everything else has to be you. What would life look like? Maybe 2022 is the year that we all figure it out as a church. Maybe 2022 is the year that we stop trying to do so much, that we stop trying to earn acceptance from people. You hear about me talking about that all the time. Maybe it's the time we stop trying to protect 
ourselves and our family from some harm that is out there, whatever it might be. I have to guard it. Maybe 2022 is the year that Grace Bible Church and the families within it have their best year ever. That's my hope. That's my prayer for us. We're so blessed already. Can you imagine what more God would do with us if we were able to open ourselves up and just willingly trust him? Jesus wants you to take your pack off. He wants you to take your burden off, but he's not going to take it off for you. This is a hard lesson. He says, put down your burden and put on my yoke. He doesn't say, come here so I can take your burden off and put my yoke on you. This is an act of the will. We come to a place, I think, in our Christian walk where sometimes we think that God is just going to change us miraculously without us doing anything because we're so cautious, we're so hypervigilant of guarding against the idea of earning our acceptance. But it's been said the gospel is, you know, effort is not the problem with the gospel. Earning is the problem. Let me re-say that. Let's just scratch that right there. Stop trying to earn your acceptance. You can work though. We can have discipline. We can do more without earning. Simple effort. We need to make that decision again and again to put down our burden and take up Christ's yoke. You know, God says that we can do this because, because others have done it before us. And their witness to a life of faith is there for us to see, for us to read. In fact, he just in chapter 11 goes on and catalogs all of these people who lived lives of faith to allow their lives to be an inspiration to us. And that's our second principle for the, from this passage for this morning. We need to draw support from the crowd. When we're running the race of life, we put down whatever is slowing us down. We draw support from the crowd. I love watching marathons where there's people, you know, they hold the cups out. And they run by, the signs. My niece is running, some, is running a marathon or in 10K or something. And I just always love seeing her hubby holding up the sign, encouraging her to go. That's Christian life right there, guys. That's like the metaphor. We're running a marathon. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who are called to be encouraging. And sometimes that's us on the sidelines, encouraging others. That's what it should look like. Rother says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. The writer of Hebrews predicates everything he says in this passage on the fact that people are watching. That people, that there is a memory of those who have gone before us and their witness speaks to us. They've lived faithfully and completed their race. What's interesting about this passage is none of them received, chapter 11, none of them received what it is they had hoped for in this life. Yet they held out by faith, knowing that God was faithful to his promise. That they could continue to run and that one day God would answer that, even if it wasn't on this earth. Oftentimes in... Uh, situations where one of our loved ones here at GBC has died, I'll get up and I'll say something like, uh, you know, we've prayed for their healing and it's been God's will to heal them, but in heaven. Sometimes we'll pray for our loved ones and say, Lord, heal them. And then God doesn't. Then they die. And the tendency would think, well, we prayed and it wasn't God's will. No, it was God's will. God's will was to heal them perfectly. Perfectly. So they endured catastrophes. They endured lack and persecution. I bet it doesn't say, but they even endured pandemics. Yet they all held firm by faith because they were able to look ahead and trust in who God was. And we need not just look at Scripture. 
for our inspiration. By far, I think scripture is the par excellence, sort of the highest level of inspiration. As we look and see not only what Christians have done, but what Christ, how Christ lived. But certainly we look to the people around us. You know, many of you might have heard of the, I was just thinking of one book, about Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's an old book, 500 years probably. It's 450 years. It's a book about, it catalogs all of these people who lived faithfully to God and end up were persecuted and even died for their faith. Yet some of the stories are so amazing. Some of the stories are just so inspiring that yes, in the end their body died, but their soul lived because God emboldened them to speak and gave them strength to endure. Death. Not just wearing a mask or being socially distanced or not being able to sing the way we want to sing, everything we just heard about, and yet another announcement. And it pains me too. It can be a whole lot worse. And when we look to those who have gone before us, we can find that inspiration. We can read biographies of faithful Christians and how they lived their life, who they looked to, the faith that they put in God, and what that looked like in their life. And that can motivate us. But I've got to be honest, I think probably the most obvious one for me are the lives of the faithful people around me. You guys, when I run my race, I look to you for inspiration. Some of you in the older generation, I mean, where I would get worried about something, you guys are like, no, I've been here before. I know this part of the race. This is the part where you should not freak out and you should trust God because it's going to be okay. And then we get through the crisis, I look back and they were right. Lives lived looking to the faithfulness of Jesus and seeing him produce again and again in us, emboldens us. But we need each other to remind us lest we forget. Is there anybody in your life, think now, ask the Spirit to reveal to you, someone in your life who you can look to as a real-life example of faithful living? I would hope we would be a church building full of them. My prayer is that we would be so filled with the Holy Spirit and so growing in our Christian walk that when we go out into our families, into our places of work, into our schools, into the community, that we act exactly who Jesus said we already are, the salt of the earth. He didn't go out and say, be salty. He said, you are salt. We are called to go out because that is who we are. And it is my prayer that we do that faithfully and do that well. I think it's important that we don't look, I can relate to this, maybe you can relate to this. You're dealing with an issue. You're dealing with something that might be embarrassing, it might bring you shame, it might make you angry, you're having a hard time maybe forgiving somebody, and you know that you're supposed to come to Grace Bible or to your growth group or to someone who's walking in the faith to find perspective. You know, you know you're supposed to share this weight with someone else who can speak truth to you, yet you are convinced that your situation is different and that nobody can relate to you. This is a very dangerous sort of mindset called fantasy uniqueness. It's the idea that I'm different than everybody else and no one can relate to the pain of life or to this situation. It's true that everybody's race is a little bit different, but we're all called to run it and we're all racing. And God has placed us in our lives to be the encouragers, those in the crowd, saying, come on, you can do it. Push harder, just a little bit further. Or lift up your legs more, or drag your feet less. 
People who will encourage one another to run well and run fast. This is why God tells us we have to continue to meet with one another. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I love that stir up. It's irritate one another. How many of you come to church and get irritated? Oh, I need to put my arm down. <laughs> if you're coming to church and someone's saying something about your walk that's a, that irritates you, I gotta be honest, that's, they're almost doing what God's asking them to do. They're stirring you on to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more, as you see the day drawing near, that day's the finish line. That finish line, when Christ returns or we go to him, that's the finish. We've got to be telling each other, come on, we can do this. I just don't want to show up on a Sunday, come sing some hymns, however perfectly done they are, come sing some hymns, see how you guys smile, and then just go live my life. I need you guys, and you guys need me. You need each other to make this be an opportunity, to make this be a day, a moment of joy and encouragement and edification. It's my prayer that when we come to worship the Lord, not only do we see him in his glory, and we encounter the presence of the real God, whether it be in our singing or in the message or in prayer or with our interactions with one another, but that we would leave this place full that we would leave this building ready and the overflow of our hearts would fall upon everybody we meet as when they meet us, they meet Jesus. Dan Willis, he's a voice actor. He says, be an, be an encourager. The world has plenty of critics already. Be an encourager. What if your life was just full of you encouraging. Have you ever intentionally done that? I'm just going to encourage people today. Uh, someone here at the church posted on Facebook that uh, they were in a store and a young man came up at one of the local grocery stores, pulled out hundreds, and put like eight hundreds at each register and told the cashier, you take a hundred and you give a hundred to every next person who comes through the line. Right? Now, I ain't got that kind of money. Okay? And if you see him at the store, call me and let me know. <laughs> It's the impulse. It's the impulse. After the Christmas Eve service, I went to mom and dad's. We had a great time there. And then I had a meeting, a late meeting that I had offered to lead from 11 p.m. until 1 a.m. on Christmas morning. And so I went. On the way, I stopped for coffee. And there was someone standing behind the register at the local gas station. And I got my coffee and I went up. I said, hey, man, thank you for being here. This must be real. He goes, of all the years I've worked here, he goes, there wasn't a year more that I wanted to call off than this year. You know, I said, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here so I can get coffee. I have more to do. He goes, you're welcome. We said, Merry Christmas. God bless you and moved on. What would life look like if that was just our MO? We just encouraged one another. We just tell them, keep going, keep going. That's the third principle out of this text. Run hard and don't give up. Run hard and don't give up. He says, and let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. This is the main idea of the entire text. We have to run. We're in a race. Not only is it in a race, and we didn't pick the course. The course has been set out for us. We need to run. Some of you need to start running. That is the truth. Some of you are standing still, still lacing your shoes, something other than running. You're not in the race. God's calling you to run. God's calling you to trust Christ and get in the race. Others of you need to keep running. 
I know you're tired. I know you're tired, and I know that you want this to be over. Sort of in the, you know, my, my initial idea is the pandemic. I want the pandemic to be over. But it's so much bigger. We're going to get through the pandemic. Other people have been through way worse situations, way worse situations than we are right now. We have it really good right now at GBC. <laughs> but you're carrying other things. You're carrying other things. Keep running. You can do it. God tells us what we do when we feel like falling out, when we feel like stopping. And we're going to see it in the next point. But just keep running. Some of you, you're running. You need to run harder. You need to run harder. There are times that I interact and I, I talk to you, I hear what's going on, and I know what's happening. You're walking, you're, you're running the race like this. You're running the race. This is not me speaking, and I hope it's not interpreted like this, condemnation. It's not, because I'm very convicted as I talk about this. This is an opportunity that I want the Holy Spirit to come in and say, that's me. <laughs> I want you to say, oh, that's me. We either need to run, keep running, or run hotter. But whatever you do, don't give up. Don't give up. You're in this race. God has put you there. The run has been spelled out for you. This is not just necessarily try harder, do better, work more. But the race has been marked out for us, and we do not choose our course. Let me tell you something about this race. Some of you are in situations you would not choose for yourself. Some of you know people in your life that you are struggling with that you wish it were just something completely different. Some of you don't know what's going to happen. Well, we don't, none of us know what's going to happen in the future, but you're in a very real place of flux. You don't know what's going to happen. Okay? There is tremendous power in a word called acceptance. Acceptance. This is not in the text, so this is free. I'm going to add this right here. All right. The sooner you come to accept your situation as it is, I mean, it's not ideal, and it stinks, and it's painful, and it's hard, and you wish it were some other way, it is what it is. There is nothing more dangerous than a Christian who says, it is what it is. There's nothing more dangerous than a Christian who submits to God's will. Look, that's what Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he asked the Father, can there be another way? Father said no. Jesus accepted it. Your will, not mine. And he saved all of creation. Think of the power of our lives and what they could be if we came to a place of acceptance and said, it is what it is. God's will, not mine. And we stopped trying to manhandle our lives to make them come out the way that we want them to be. And we just ran the race with trust. The author of Hebrews gives us the means of running our race, and it's not work harder, perform better. We have way too much of that mentality in this world, don't we? Do better. Working harder does not make us more godly, nor can working harder make us more motivated. What we need is inspiration. Inspiration. What we need is focus. And this is what the Lord would teach us in the last part of this passage, the fourth principle, focus on the finish line. Focus on the finish line. It says, we do all these things. We run the race. We shed everything. We look to the cloud of witnesses. We run the race, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. 
When we run, we should not focus on the pain or our speed or perhaps my favorite, my ranking, who's in front of me and who's behind me, who's running faster, who's running slower. We focus on Jesus. The finish. We keep our eyes on him as we run. Not worrying about what's going on around us or who's running with us or behind us or in front of us, but on Christ. What are you fixing your eyes on? Who are you fixing your eyes on? Oh, just two more years till retirement. (laughs) Oh, I'm going on that vacation. Lainey and I are going to Costa Rica January 7th. January 8th. January 8th. Israel closed its borders to the United States. We had Israel planned. I told Lane, I said, if we're not going to Israel, um, we're going someplace awesome. Israel closed, so I just, we're going to Costa Rica. Beach, jungle, the whole nine. I've been finding myself, I just got to get through Christmas. What kind of Christmas season is that? I just got to get through Christmas. Once I get through Christmas, it's going to be okay. As long as I get to Costa Rica, I'm going to call it right now. If I get to Costa Rica and they close the borders to the U.S., I'm sorry. But I'm in Costa Rica. I will do a Zoom sermon if I need to. But I'm looking to that. What what are we looking at? What are we looking to? Look to Christ as you run your race. I remember when I was running the race in our jungle race, Corman Cup, right at the end, it was a long stretch of flat ground. We come out of the jungle, we had to run this long stretch of grass. And we're carrying this big guy on this thing, and it was just, and our chief was out there. My chief was standing there. Come on, come on. And he's needling the other chiefs. Look at my guys, look at my guys. Look to Christ, your chief, your pioneer. He stands calling you, come on, keep going, keep going. You can do it. I think he's even needling Satan. Hey, look. Look at my people running harder, faster, focused on me, not on what's around them. Run. What's distracting you? Are there things in this life that are pulling you away from your gaze upon Christ? Look to Jesus. Stay focused on him. Because he was the first one to run this race. Do you know that? He's been down this course before. He knows the turns. He knows the hard spots. He knows the mud. He knows this. He knows it all. And he's done it for us. He's ran. In fact, this is interesting. This word here, this pioneer of our faith, it's kind of like he's the forerunner. He ran a race where there was no trail. He blazed the trail before us and we run in his feet in his footsteps he fixed his eyes on the joy of the finish and the implications of crossing the finish line what is that joy you were that joy you were that joy when Christ was facing opposition from sinners we read about it in the gospels at every turn they tried to get him they tried to kill him they tried to shut him up If we look even bigger on the biblical history, we can see God trying to bring the Messiah through all of salvation history. And again and again, Satan trying to stomp him out. Stomp him out. Yet when the time was right, Christ was born. And he died for you, for the joy of knowing that you would have eternal life and that you would be with him forever when you place your trust in him. He endured so much. The cross, the shame, and opposition. Consider Christ gives us this. Considering Christ, keeping our eyes focused on him and thinking about what he did, that's what gives us strength. It's not just try harder. It's not just do better. It's, not what, it's look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. 
I don't know how this works. All I know is that God says, look to Christ, focus on what he's done, and I will have the strength to endure. It doesn't say work harder, it doesn't say try harder, look to Christ. After the jungle race, we were absolutely covered in mud and totally exhausted. Like I said, it was the most tired that I've ever been. I'd like to report that my team came in first place. But we didn't. It's a guy on the stretcher. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we did not come in first place. But it didn't matter. In the end, it didn't matter. We had all finished. We'd finished and we had finished strong. And we had run the race well. There was a respect and an admiration for those of us who, for those who watched us compete, for they knew how hard the race was. They knew it was tough. And as we walked around, even, there were people who said, hey, did you, good job participating. I knew that was hard. It was hard. But there was this moment, I remember, when my brothers and I were standing together after it was all done, you know, spent, completely done, basking in the glow of glory. We were lined up against the wall, and our chief was standing there. He had a big fire hose in his hand. It was off. And he says, well done, boys. You ran fast and you ran far, and you made me proud. And he opened that fire hose up and just got us all, just all the mud and sweat and blood and exhaustion, this ice-cold water coming upon us, washing us clean. We were clean, renewed, and ready for the next leg of the race. Are you ready for the next leg of the race? Are you ready for 2022? Look to Jesus. Put down everything that's slowing you down. Draw your support from the crowd, from us, from the Bible. Run hard and don't give up. And most importantly, most importantly, focus on the finish line. Let's pray. Father, in your good pleasure, you marked out seasons. You marked out, you, you placed the sun and the moon and the stars in the heavens to mark out days and years and months. And Lord, we come to the end of another year. Lord, many of us are carrying things, and you know we're carrying it. You've been telling us, put it down, but we don't want to hear it. Forgive us, Lord, where we believe that we can carry the weight better, farther, faster. And Lord, give us the grace to just put it down and trust Christ. Lord, give us the willingness to put his yoke upon us. Give us a desire to see him glorified in our lives. Lord, we've made lots of mistakes in 2021. We've said things we shouldn't have said. We've done things we shouldn't have done. We've thought things we shouldn't have thought. Lord, some of us have had bad attitudes. We've been angry and resentful. Lord, forgive us in the name of Christ. Lord, as we enter into 2022, a new year, Lord, allow us to run fast. Let us dedicate, Lord, our lives again to you this next year as we run for you, focusing our eyes on your son Jesus who went before us. And Lord, give us the grace to enter in 2022 with hope and joy and inspiration through your Holy Spirit. May you bless Grace Bible Church. May you bless my brothers and sisters in it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Thank you.
Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.